everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. Welcome to episode four of my Korean drama podcast. Um, I'm really excited to be talking about season two of Hello My Twenties today. Um, That's probably a pretty obvious choice considering I covered season one um, just two episodes ago. Um, So basically I've spent all week marathoning season two, um, also known as Age of Youth. I... I really love this show. It is addictive. I I just watch so many episodes in a row. I think it comes down to, you know, this show has five main protagonists. So, you know, each one has a really interesting storyline. Some are more interesting than others. And I think everyone is going to find something to like in a show like this, where it really does sort of share that weight around. Um, So, yeah, I really, really loved it. Is it as good as the first season? (laughs) I don't know. I don't personally for myself. I don't know if it's kind of interesting. I found it just as addictive as the first season. I loved watching it just as much as the first season. So I think I loved it as much. But you know, if I was kind of taking a non-biased stance, I suppose I feel that you know, story-wise. It, it probably wasn't as good, like it wasn't as well written. I felt like there was some kind of kind of odd tonal shifts and I guess I felt that it sort of suffered from a little bit of what I call the Summer Bay effect. So um, if you don't know, uh, which you probably don't, but um, in my country, we have this long-running soapy soap TV show that has been around since you know the dawn of time, basically, and it is set in this little seaside you know township called Summer Bay, and it's a soap. So you know Summer Bay will have the same group of people experiencing you know, earthquakes and fires and a million deaths and undercover cops and floods and amnesia and terminal illnesses and affairs and it's like everything that could ever happen and go wrong all happens in this one tiny town to the same group of people and I feel that obviously the danger of any show being extended past its first sort of standalone story is that you're going to end up with the Summer Bay effect which is you know a lot of traumatic shit happening to the same five girls basically 
So, you know, I don't mind it because I like the drama of it. You know, I don't want to watch a show about these women when nothing happens at all. So, I mean, I get why there's drama. But I do feel that the first season, which I adored, had this beautiful, very quiet quality to it. There was a few explosive moments that were like a little bit larger than life, but I felt so much that first season. You know, it was about these small, quiet relationships and moments between people. Um, it, it really had these themes that felt very true to life. And although the second season does, like it certainly has a lot of true to life elements, you know, I mean, how many times can one group of girls sort of come up near a serial killer or a you know really violent, murdery kind of person? Um, three, three over two seasons. So I just mean like, I think things get more bombastic and, you know, crazy plot wise as the story goes on. And of course it does, you know, you've got to have something for the characters to do. So I totally get it. And I won't diss the show for that because frankly, after watching this season two, all I can think about is when on earth they're going to make season three because I want to watch it. I want to watch it so bad. So yes, this this season two of Hello My Twenties is super effective. Like I'm so there for season three. I really, really loved watching this show. In my discussion today, um, I'm not going to do a character breakdown like I did for season one. I'm just sort of going to do more of an overview. So just sort of start, middle, finish. Um, and I guess, you know, just in case you don't already know, um, Hello My Twenties season two, the, the basic plot is five girls, um, all of whom are university students who are in a share house. And, you know, each of them has their own thing going on, but it's also very much about their friendship and how they relate to each other. And, you know, the girls are very, very different. Um, so I guess I mentioned before about I felt like this season had a bit more of like, I guess drastic tonal shifts than I felt the first season did. I felt the first season did feel very even and very quiet whilst, you know, when I first started watching season two, particularly the first episode, it feels like a standalone, um, weird, quirky, quite, um, you know, co comedic, I suppose, um, little side tale about the girls. They go and pick up Yoon, who's been away in China for a whole year, and they go and pick her up. And they're with their housemate Kung, who can't drive a car, and they end up, you know, staying in a house with, with a serial killer in the kitchen, which is fun to watch, like super fun, seeing them all screaming and freaking out and, you know, mucking around and just all the silly um, coincidences that lead to them, you know, not getting murdered by a serial killer and also saving the lives of these, these other two randoms, um, who I'm pretty sure are actually the parents of... Um, this dude who turns up as a love interest later, which is interesting. I'm, I'm just thinking of that now. I don't think I even picked it up at the time. Um, so yeah, that, that episode felt quite almost apart from the rest of the show. And I felt like the show really hit its stride when they got all the girls back and they're all back in the share house in that sort of more familiar environment. And that's when I felt, you know, that's when the, the overarching storylines for each girl really begins. And the first episode, I think, I get why it was there. Like, it's super fun watching the girls, you know, accidentally defeat a serial killer. Like, why not? But also, it yeah, it just felt really separated to me from the rest of the show. But I didn't mind it. I think in a way, maybe it was there as a sort of 
um, you know, as a guest appearance and farewell to Kung. So the character of Kung was one of my favorites from season one. I really enjoyed her storyline and I really liked the way the show handled the subject matter of her lifestyle. I felt was in a way that, you know, maybe it was sensitive, I guess, um, which you don't often see. I liked that she was a heroine and not a villain, um, despite these kind of choices, which sometimes people can get villainized for. Um, I was so sad when at the end of episode one, all the girls get back to their share house and Kang's like, I'm moving out. I got a job in some shop or whatever. So she's leaving town and she's going. And I just, I mean, I get, I totally get one of the girls has got to go. They've got to, they've got to bring in fresh blood. They've got to bring in someone new who's going to ruffle their feathers, who's going to create kind of different issues and just bring a different dynamic and also you know, make waves in their friendship again. So everyone has to resettle and recalibrate. So I totally get why one of the girls had to go. But I have to admit, I feel so sad that that girl was come. I felt like um, that, I felt like she definitely had more story to explore um, in this season. And um, personally, what I would have loved to have seen from Kung this season is um, in season one, I keep referring to season one, but uh, you know, when I was discussing season one, I did it like a standalone, um, but it's too hard with season two. I, I can't judge this without bringing across all the baggage of all these characters that I already know. So with Kung in season one, there was this young man who is basically, I suppose, her best friend or a very close friend. And he is in the same lifestyle as her. You know, he's a young man who has a lot of older women um, girlfriends who give him a lot of money. And that's how he lives his life. Um, towards the end of season one, we see very clearly that he is obviously completely in love with her, but also... From his reaction in some of their last conversations, I got the impression he's not going to tell her. Like, he's not confident about how she might feel in return. And I felt like that dynamic um, and that romance would have been such a fascinating storyline to see stretch through season two. Um, particularly because I feel that because of Kung's lifestyle, um, how could she not have a complicated you know, um, view on love and romance. I imagine she would be very jaded about falling in love and trusting her heart with someone. I think, um, I don't think it would be easy for her. And I think she would have built up intense walls around her heart. And I would have loved to watch a season of her struggling with the idea of falling in love and being vulnerable. Um, and who better for her to fall in love with than this man who, understands her um, and who's been in the same life as her and who would never judge her or treat her differently because of it. Um, so I would have loved to have seen that. Um, I did read a statement by the director and he said, you know, the reason that Kung left was he felt um, that the character of Kang, he decided not to bring her into the second season, was he felt that some characters, um, you know, they had continuing storylines and room for development um, in what happens next. But with Kang, he felt like her storyline had ended. 
thought that was kind of interesting because I really felt like there was so much more to explore with Kang. Um, but I did read that maybe there was a bit of controversy with the actress that she was like rude to, you know, some of the people that were doing her makeup and hair or something. And I know that stuff can blow up in a really massive way um, with negative press in Korea um, in a way that I don't think it does with all the, you know, diva behavior in Hollywood or whatever, which no one seems to give a crap about. Um, the director said that that controversy had nothing to do with, you know, him discontinuing Kung's sort of role in the drama. Um, so obviously I have no idea. I, I just felt like she did. I really felt strongly that she did have room for growth and um, a lot of things that could have been explored with her character. So I was super sad to see her go. Okay, so Kang leaving the show obviously leaves um, a space open for someone new to come through. And the new character was called Eun, or Jo Eun, uh, played by an actress called Choi Ara. Um, she, <laughs> she's really tall. Um, they kind of just, they, you know, that's really pushed in the drama. This, this girl is, she's very tall. The other actresses, or the other characters are all very short and she's very tall. She dresses like a boy, she has short hair, and I have to say, this actress is very striking to look at. She is a very beautiful girl. Um, I really enjoyed watching her in this. I did feel um, like I could, when she first turns up in the drama at the very beginning, um, you know, there's kind of a mystery that she's come, and that's why she's, you know, trying to solve this little mystery. But she's really freaking mean, like she's so fucking mean to the other girls. And I couldn't really figure out why. I think it's something to do with her, you know, she feels really abandoned by her parents and stuff and she doesn't want to like anyone. So she's just trying to be defensive and stuff. Um, and I didn't mind it. Like I liked her. I liked her in the house. I liked her storylines. But I guess I didn't really get why she was so nasty at the start. I think, um, yeah, I don't know. It, w it was fine, but whatever. I, I much I much more preferred when she started to sort of bond with the other girls and get closer. And I, I found that a lot more interesting. Um, talking about her being tall, <laughs> one thing that I really enjoyed in this drama kind of was, I suppose, the way they focused. Oh, I don't want to say the way that they focused on it. Um, I don't feel like it should be, you know, something that should be focused on that her character trait is that she's really tall. Like that's kind of dumb, but I did like what the drama did with that in the way that a lot of the other characters and, you know, the girls in the house included would say things, things that weren't meant to be hurtful, um, remarks that definitely weren't malicious, but were were a bit hurtful. You know, they would have these offhand things that they would say that um, I could see that character of Un, um, you know, becoming defensive or, um, you know, shrinking and, you know, feeling stung by some of these words. Um, I guess uh, an example for you would be um, the character Unjay, who last season had her, you know, really sweet college romance um, with a sunbae. And this season has the most humiliating, awful breakup with that same sunbae. Um and there's one point in the drama where they're all sitting around the table and Anjay is basically um, dissing this girl at her college because she's worried that her sunbae might start to like this girl and this girl likes her sunbae. And so, 
you know, she's not trying to be malicious. She's just having an outpouring of jealousy and emotion. And she's very nasty. She's like, oh, you know, that girl, no one, no boy would ever like her. She's so tall and she dresses like a man. And, you know, she has short hair. And she says all this, um, obviously not meaning to offend Un, who is sitting at the same table. And, you know, obviously it's very offensive. But I really, there was so many different moments like that in the drama. This one, you know, um, Anjay obviously realises that she said something not good. And a lot of the time, um, the characters that say these little tiny stinging remarks won't even realise that they've made and feel uncomfortable about her height or her clothes or her hair. And um, they never even get addressed. And to be honest, I really liked it. I really liked it a lot because I, I thought it felt very true. Um, I think, you know, the opposite thing the drama could have done is made a big deal and then a big deal about it. And then at the end, towards the end of the drama in the climactic et, um, section, um, Unj could have, you know, she could have exploded and blown up at them and be like, oh, you will keep making remarks about me being tall. Like it's my only freaking thing that I am. And then everyone could have apologized. But the truth is, Un is tall. She is taller compared to a lot of those other girls. And she is, she looks different and people are going to notice because that's what people are like. That's what they do. And it's something that she will experience, you know, her whole life. And she experienced it throughout the drama without the drama kind of making a big deal about it. Um, it was a very subtle sort of thing most of the time. Um, and I really liked it because it just felt so true to life. And I think the more self-conscious you are or defensive about something about yourself, the more you feel like everyone notices it, that everyone's honing in on it. So um, Un's like very, oh, she just shrunk sometimes when people said these things. And um, it made me feel, you know, a lot of empathy for her, um, you know, to feel like she's different. Um, there's a point where she wears a dress for the first time and she doesn't want to, but she doesn't have any other clothes. So she does. And she's so uncomfortable. And I felt so sad for her, you know, because she's tall. Why can't she wear a freaking dress? But I also get it. You know, people look at her and she feels uncomfortable to be looked at. Um, I really, really liked that part of her storyline. Um, the other thing about her being tall that I might mention I'm pretty sure, right, in the drama at one point she says that she's 180 centimetres. I'm pretty sure that's what she said. So I am very tall and I am nearly 10 freaking centimetres taller than this woman who is considered the tallest tall person that ever told in the whole universe. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, but I guess, you know, where I live... Um, Maybe people are a lot of different heights, you know, like there's certainly a lot of girls that I tower over and I end up feeling, you know, you feel really big. You don't feel dainty and small. But um, where I live, there's also a lot of girls that tower over me. So I feel like maybe it's a little bit more evened out. Well, obviously, where um, Un is living, you know, especially with her housemates, there are all these very, very small girls. And sometimes it's not nice to feel... I guess just to be made to feel different. And I thought it was interesting the way the drama explored it in a very subtle way where it wasn't really a main storyline and it wasn't a huge focus exactly or like a traumatic focus. It was just part of the things that Un has to deal with from day to day. So I, I really liked that. Um, I didn't 
I wasn't really mad about her like weird obsessive friend storyline. I guess um, the show was trying to say, you know, you can break up with friends and it's just as painful as breaking up with, you know, someone that you're in love with. So I guess it was an interesting idea, but I wasn't that like hooked in it and I wasn't too hooked um, with an sort of uh, family drama particularly either. I think, again, that just comes down to the whole Summer Bay effect where everyone has to have some sort of, you know, really sad, traumatic thing going on. Otherwise, you know, you can't be in the show. <laughs> so I didn't mind any of it, but they weren't the things that like particularly hooked me. Uh, the romance um, between the character, was it Jung Hoon is the character, um, who's, you know, he's quite a bit shorter than her and it was very sweet. Um, I did really like the romance. I liked... I like the fact that he just liked her immediately and he's very, he's quite flirty. He's quite open about it. He's quite in her face. He says stuff and she is so used to not being the girl that is liked um, since she's grown tall and she feels so self-conscious and defensive about it that it never even occurs to her that he is flirting and that he does like her and it takes quite a long time for that to sort of get through. And I really liked that. I thought it was very sweet and I thought it played out really nicely. So I did enjoy that aspect of her storyline a lot. Well, I totally said I wasn't going to do a character by character breakdown, but clearly that's what I've sort of ended up doing. So I guess we'll just we'll run with that since that's what's happening. I guess the next person then to talk about would be Anjay. So I found all of this kind of like a bonkers thing. Like basically the actress who played Anjay in the first season wasn't able to return and play that same character in season two. Um, and instead of cutting the character and bringing in a new character to replace that character <laughs> and keeping Kung and, you know, giving Kung some stuff to do in this season, um, instead they decided to completely recast this character with a new actress whose name is apparently Jiwoo. So I was not a fan of just, just the concept of recasting a character I kind of hate, especially, especially in a show like this where it would have been so, so easy to write the character out. She had such a great storyline. She had such a great role in season one. It could have ended. They could have said she transferred to a different uni. They could have said she went traveling for a year. They really could have done a lot of things to make it make a lot of sense that Anjay wasn't in this season and then bring in the new character of Un to replace Anjay um, instead of replacing Kung, who, you know, they had the same actress for. So... I found that really, really weird. I do get the storyline of um, Anjay that obviously the writers wanted to explore in this season, which is really interesting, actually. Season one's all about her falling in love for the first time. Season two is all about this really awful, messy breakup that is the end of that same relationship. Um, so, I mean, the storyline itself, I think, is you know, it's completely valid. It's a good storyline. It's well done. It's interesting. But I really didn't like the, just the actress recasting. And I think particularly, you know, I really, really liked this character in season one. She was lovely. The actress just embodied the character so well. In season two, I feel like the new actress, you know, I really feel strongly that she 
had to watch someone else and their mannerisms and then she had to put it on. So I felt like I was watching someone pretending to be someone else and I didn't think it really suit the casting because I didn't, you know, it felt like someone acting. It didn't feel like she was that character. I do wonder if, you know, if this actress had played Anjay from the start, I'm sure I would have been completely happy with it. But I did feel like I was just watching an entirely different character. She also had this thing, um, this new actress has this thing where she like, she does this sort of manic smiling while freaking out or while crying or while being scared. And it's really intense and it's so nothing that MJ from the first season is just not an expression that she ever, ever, ever would have made. So I'm, I couldn't help but feel like I was just watching an entirely new character in the show. And that was kind of weird because, you know, everyone else in the show already knows her and is really close with her and they have all these dynamics together. But I didn't feel like I got to know her. I felt like it was just someone I was very cold towards who wasn't given the kind of setup and intro that the new character of Un was to make me get to know her and like her. They just, um, you know, kind of shove the new Unjay in your face and expect you to feel like you still know her when of course you don't because she's acting differently um, and she looks different. I did love all the little jokes about, you know, like, oh, you look different. Like, what's wrong? Are you sick? Or, you know, did you get plastic surgery? Like, I thought all that stuff was good fun. It's really cute. But um, I just I just don't really understand the whole decision of it. It was kind of weird for me because and I guess I just didn't warm to her in saying that um, in some ways, I'm kind of glad that the new actress came in just to play the whole awful, humiliating breakup line. Because I think if the original actress, if I'd had to watch her breaking up after watching her fall in love, that might have broken my heart and I might have cried. But as it stood, I felt very disconnected from that whole storyline. So it didn't tug my heartstrings, I think, as much as it could have if the original actress had, had done the role. Um, talking about all the breakup stuff... I think that technically it was very well done and I think it was well written. I particularly liked how far it went in terms of charting how low Anjay gets. You know, it's very humiliating at the end. She begs him to take her back and it's so sad and vulnerable and I really liked that they included it I loved that they they showed her kind of going to the absolute depths that no one experiencing a breakup ever ever wants to go to everyone wants to be cool everyone wants to you know act awesome and be the one that cares less and walks away and it's not what happened with her so I really liked that um but in saying that personally I watch K-dramas because I'm obsessed with watching people have beautiful romances and fall in love and I'm just like 100% less interested in watching a huge extended breakup kind of relationship thing. Um, so on a personal level, it just didn't appeal to me at all and I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. But, you know, from a storytelling point of view, I think it was actually really well done. It's interesting. Um, my absolute standout favorite character from season one was Yoon. Um, you know, her whole storyline just it really had me by the heart. This season, I think she was. Um, I love this actress, and I still love the character. 
but her storyline for me was you know it just didn't work for me at all I just didn't like it or care about it at all it is so weird um it was kind of interesting you know I guess it's kind of fun to have your favorites shifted around and see different sides of the characters um but yeah I really I didn't care she so this season Yoon um obviously last season she's just struggling the whole time to live a decent life and get a decent job and this season she finally gets a job and obviously life's not peachy and everything's still fucking hard uh which is fair enough you know she has to go to work every day she's working in like um an idol management firm or something which is interesting and basically one of the first jobs she has is she has to rate uh whether a whole bunch of these idol boys who have been there for five years with no success should get fired and you know she wants to do a good job so she she rates this guy you know that he's pretty shit and he is pretty shit I think he can dance but I think maybe singing wise he's he's not that amazing or maybe he didn't do a good performance I don't know um and then you know she kind of feels bad and she has this weird sort of uh relationship with this guy where he thinks that she's his number one fan and she just sort of thinks he's a bit I think she feels a bit sad for him a little bit of pity it's pretty awful um I didn't really warm to it because the guy his name in it is Himdal um you know he's just uh, I think he he probably isn't quite as confident about himself as he puts on but he's just like oh, I'm the best thing in the whole world and you're my number one fan and I'm just like eh, I don't know I don't know why it didn't really hit me it's um I guess the whole storyline arc is supposed to be this incredible emotional thing about letting go of your dreams and realizing that maybe you're not good enough to succeed at it I mean it's very sad really when you think of it like that and certainly in the scenes when all the boys in the band are getting fired and they realizing that their dreams are over um it is really sad it's so sad um but I, I guess I just wasn't feeling the whole storyline as much as you know I watching that scene nearly made me cry so it's kind of a crazy thing that I kind of didn't enjoy it and felt a bit manipulated by it that they tried to make me cry and almost succeeded with all, you know, this really heavy sadness about losing your dreams. And maybe it's part of that whole, you know, if there's so many intense storylines going on all at once, like maybe losing your dreams does suck, but maybe it doesn't suck as much as what some of the other characters are going through. Like Yeon, for um for for instance, who, you know, got kidnapped last season and who everything bad that could ever happen in Summer Bay bad happened to her this season. And I can't help but feel, you know, more empathy for her and her experiences um, than I do for this Himdall guy who can't be an idol anymore. And, you know, I'm saying that from someone like when I was younger, I studied music and I really, really wanted to be a musician very, very badly. Um, and then, you know, life changed and I got older and I gave up my dreams. And I remember how hard that was. You know, it was a really, really difficult um, experience to feel like you're never going to make it you know when you're young sometimes you really believe you can you know that you could do anything you could be the next you know huge star or whatever and then you get older and you realize that's probably not going to happen for you and it is a really awful process to let go of these things um but I don't know 
I mean, in in concept, that storyline is actually really good. But yeah, it just never kind of got under my skin. Um, and I love Yoon so much. I do wish that she'd had something else going on. Like, to be honest, I could have scrapped that whole storyline and just had a whole season of her and Chef being happy together. Um, he's off working in Busan, so he's not even in this season. Um, one thing I did like about that, though, was that there was no issues between them. I really liked that. I guess, you know, if he'd been in the show, they probably would have been, you know, having problems and having issues and misunderstandings. And I really liked that they were just fucking solid. And that is it. Like, they're just good together. Um, and I really, I did like that aspect a lot. I think I'd be so sad if they broke up. So yeah, that's how I felt about the Yoon storyline. Um, next up, I guess, is Yeon, who last season got crazy kidnapped and, you know, bashed up and ended up, you know, I guess, uh, agoroph agoraphobic. She didn't want to go outside. She's scared of other people and all the other girls have to really bend around her as well as some girls from her school and kind of help her get around and live. She's taken like a whole year off. And at the start of the season, she's getting ready to go back to college again. And... I've, I actually really enjoyed watching her storyline. I found it really interesting. I was really interested in the idea of the post-traumatic stress and how she would overcome it and learn to live and be free and be happy again. Um, but of course, it's a drama, so <laughs> it's the whole Summer Bay thing again. And, you know, um, the stuff that Yearn has to go through this season is so intense, Um it's full on, like basically one of her friends is messing with her mind and pretending that, you know, the boyfriend's back out of jail and is coming after her. And like, it's really, really not good. And I was like, that happening, I don't know how she'd get over it. You know, after going through what she went through last season, I feel like that was almost enough for one person to be at breaking point. And then this other thing happens with a friend who's like playing mind games. And then... Oh, then this absolutely like absolutely nuts, very scary, scary dude breaks into the house and basically has a knife and threatens them all. And it is one of the most violent sort of hostage scenes that I, I mean, that I feel like I've seen in, in a contemporary K-drama. I mean, you see that stuff in Sagooks all the time, you know, people getting tortured and all sorts of awful shit happening to them. But I do feel like that happens less in the contemporaries. It was so hardcore. And Yeon is basically at the start, she gets pushed around and she just goes completely catatonic. And I was like, oh my God, like this is it for her. She's never going to wake up. This is too much for one person to bear um, with the amount of anxiety that she already has over her last traumatic experience. Um, so that was really full on. She gets completely, she gets pushed around more than the other girls. And I don't just mean pushed around. She gets her head slammed into multiple walls and different stuff. Uh, Yang's new romance in this season was something I did really, really like. Um, the guy, she meets this guy who sort of helps her out of a awkward and very frightening for her situation. Um, just a social situation. And he's very socially awkward. Um, the drama never states it, but I, I'm pretty sure that he might have autism or be on the spectrum to some level. Um, he's still obviously completely able to, you know, go around by himself and function and everything. But he has a lot of trouble relating to other people and understanding sometimes the, the social kind of cues um, and hints that, you know, it's so easy for other people to read. And I really liked their romance. 
Um, I liked it because I know that Yuan, uh, Yuan from last season never would have picked him. You know, she wouldn't have had the patience for someone who might be, um, you know, that, that you have to be patient with. You know, he's not going to change. He is how he is and he can do the things that he can do. And she is the one who will have to be patient with him. And if she wants to be with him, she will have to accept, um, you know, the these elements of him. And I really liked that. I liked that uh, that he's not who she would have picked before, but she's a different person to who she used to be. And um, I also really like there is one episode where, you know, she makes him get his hair cut and she starts making him wear different clothes and all this kind of stuff. And then by the end of the season, she's basically realized that and she says to him, you know, no, just wear what you want and go back and do what you want. And I really liked it. I liked it so much. It's this acceptance um, by her of him that he is who he is and she wants to be with him. So I, I really liked it, actually. I thought it was very sweet. So lastly, out of all the characters, I want to talk about G1. Um, she was, I just love, 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 loved her in this. I loved her storyline. I loved her. I loved everything about it. It was fucking fantastic. Um, I was hooked to it. It was my absolute standout. Like I felt about G1 this season the same way I felt about Yoon last season. So I really liked G1 last season. But one of the things that I did like about her was that she was the only person in the house who didn't have a traumatic past. And of course this season totally fucks that up and she does actually secretly have a traumatic past. So when uh, we get reintroduced to G1 this season, she's pretty much exactly the same that she's always been. She's like boy crazy and sex crazy. She's really out there and she fibs. She tells lies all the time. Um, not malicious ones, but she just does. Um, and we quickly realize that something's going on. Uh, she goes to the doctor and gets checked out after she faints and it's clearly not a physical thing. So she quickly deduces um, that it must be a psychological, that something's going on with her. Um, because she's a journalist student, she decides to you know, figure out what it is. Um, and I... I mean, I guess at the very start, I was like, oh, wow, so she does have a trauma, you know, and I was kind of like, oh, I kind of liked that about her, that she didn't, I suppose, um, just because, you know, it makes things more dramatic if everyone, you know, has a, a secret trauma from childhood. But in saying that, once I kind of got into the storyline, I was so hooked. The mystery of it is so good and so twisty and so emotional um it's just got such massive depth it just killed me I loved this whole thing and her character and her sort of budding sort of romantic relationship with her journalist good friend um Sungmin I loved everything about it this is the kind of storyline that I wish I had thought of I would love to fucking write a book and have this at the main center of a novel like it's so cool um so basically uh Jiwon faints uh, towards the beginning of the drama and she sees this little girl's face and clearly this little girl is speaking to her when she was little and she can't really remember her so she goes on this mission to find out who um this girl is she finds out that she knew her um, for maybe a couple of terms in grade three in grade school. And the little girl's name is uh, Hyojin. 
So um, through all these amazing mysteries, like basically that all gets laid to rest. She knows that oh, it's actually so heartbreaking. For a long time, Jiwon feels that she has made up, she has lied and said she saw something. Um, she's made up a rumor about this little girl, Hyojin, and an art teacher. And clearly, I don't, I don't know if it's just the subs or if, if the drama didn't really specify exactly, but it's pretty obvious that it's something about sexual abuse. And um, we know that um, at the beginning of her life, Jiwon was very quiet and she had this completely different personality to the way she's portrayed in the show as this really outgoing, vivacious young lady. And she doesn't know why, but her personality changed in grade three and she started lying. And she thinks that for whatever reason, I mean, the mystery is at first, obviously, she thinks maybe something happened. Maybe was she sexually abused? Was Hyojin sexually abused? But what she comes out to at the end of that mystery is that most likely um, Jiwon lied. She lied and said something that wasn't true and really through no fault of her own because she's just a little freaking tiny child. But that lie has ricocheted. The rumours have gone mental. This little girl has sort of been forced to transfer to a different school. The stress of it has made her mum sick. Her mum has passed away. The little girl ends up in what I suspect was a difficult, slightly abusive, um, you know, uncle's household or whatever. And she's run away and she's fallen in with bad people. And um, in the future, as an adult... Uh, we find out later through the connection of the new girl who comes into the house and brings in a letter. Um, and it seems completely unrelated to this, but they track down where the letter came from. And it's this little shitty apartment in some, you know, little rundown area of Seoul. And this guy gets his hands on it, realizes who they are, and he breaks into their house. And this whole scene is so shockingly violent in a show where you can have really cute romance and you know really sweet kiss scenes and you know socially awkward things and then you have just such an explosion of violence it's very shocking but it was also riveting I have to say like I was hooked even though it was so scary um, and in the end this and this guy that comes in is so violent um, he you really feel like he could do something and he will do something. And basically he's there to kill the person that has ruined the life of um, his his girl, uh, his girlfriend who has, um, she's killed herself. And it's so sad because, you know, even that, um, him trying to honour her last wish is, you know, it's a form of love and I don't agree with him going around trying to murder people, but... I didn't at the time of the break-in because he's such a scary dude. But later on, you even develop empathy for this man. You know, he loved her and her life was a fucking shithouse. And he wants to do something. He wants to do something to kind of try and relieve some of the pain that she felt, Hojin, in her lifetime. So when this scary, scary dude turns up to their little share house, they eventually figure out, um, that the person that he wants, that he's there, that he says he's going to kill, um, he doesn't know which one of them it is who's done something bad. But when he says the name Hyojin, Jiwon immediately realises that it's her. And this is the point where she realises that she has told a lie and she has ruined someone's entire life.
because of it. And it is so shockingly heavy and sad that it just murdered my heart, you know. The, the implications and consequences of just telling a lie as a child. Um, and who knows why she did it? Well, she wasn't being malicious. She's just a little kid. But it has ricocheted outwards and destroyed someone so completely and utterly. And Jiwon is just burdened by so much guilt. So the girls all manage to save each other and the guy gets away. And Jiwon doesn't want to press charges and she doesn't want to bring in the police. And I was like, what the fuck? Call the fucking police. Like, what are you doing? But then um, you kind of realize that she is so burdened by this intense amount of guilt over what she has done as a child. That this scary, horrible man is a part of Hyojin's life and obviously was in a relationship with her and she feels that... I guess she doesn't want to add insult to injury and, you know, get him locked up and, and that kind of stuff. And I found that really interesting. She's so crippled by the guilt. And at first you think she's just going to keep going with her life. But she's had this shift and she feel, she seems different. You know, she's not caring about the things she used to and she throws away her journalism award. And there's obviously a huge shift in her. She doesn't want to be the way that she's been. And it is heartbreaking to watch someone who's so chirpy and happy and loud just shut off to everything. Um, and then the mystery deepens and things go on and she kind of goes to see this scary, scary guy and she starts to look into things and she has another memory. And what she realizes is that she didn't lie. And that's all she really says. She didn't lie. And what as a watcher you are left to understand is that if she didn't lie about this other little girl getting sexually abused by the teacher then that means it really is true and it did happen and it's such an intense moment because you feel this level of relief for the character of Jiwon that she didn't make something up that has ruined someone else's life but equally that means that that awful thing truly happened to that other little girl. And then you feel terrible for feeling that sense of relief. And I think the drama just developed all that so wonderfully because, of course, that is what Jiwon feels as well. You know, she'll be so happy that she didn't lie. She didn't ruin someone's life. She told the truth. Um, it absolves her in a way, but it makes everything worse in every other way for Hyojin. So it's. It's so heartbreakingly sad. It's just terrible. I found it so interesting as well, the idea that clearly Jiwon's personality did change and it's changed because she's seen something that she couldn't understand and she hasn't really been able to do anything about it at the time. And when she's spoken out about the truth, it has led to her friend getting taken away and her whole personality has changed. You know, she's, and this is why she fibs all the time. And I just, it's such amazing character development. Um, I, I can't imagine that the writers had this idea in mind when they first created the character of Jiwon in season one. And, you know, I, I found the idea of her lying so fascinating in that season. And I, I just find the reasoning behind it is just pure writing genius. It's so clever. It's so moving. It's just intense. Um, it really... Her whole storyline was incredible and the mystery, like the idea of finding out 
that um, with Jiwon believes that, you know, she lied and then finding out that no, in fact, she didn't. And it's even worse. Like those were some really fantastic plot plot twists for me that I didn't, you know, I didn't see them coming. And I, I just was so drawn into this mystery. I also really love that for the first half of the drama, when Jiwon is going full throttle to try and discover where this letter has come from, which leads her to the psycho scary dude. Um, it's very quirky. It's very fun. She's going on all these like kind of dress up missions with her good friend Sungmin, who's, you know, annoyed at everything, but clearly in love with her as well, which is a fantastic dynamic. I fucking loved those two. Um, and I loved how light and fun and, you know, it was all really exciting. You can tell what a great time she's having being a detective. And then it all just fucking crumbles. Like it's so intense that when she discovers the truth, she realizes how frivolous, you know, all this has been, um, you know, her running around having fun, trying to solve the mystery when the truth of it is just so terrible. Um, so yeah, the, the romance stuff, um, between Sungmin and Jiwon, I just loved. I loved the way it was based on this really solid friendship. Um, I loved that he basically at the end admits that he is, but also he doesn't really want things to change. And I guess that's a fear thing. I loved it. Um, I loved their whole dynamic. I just lived for them. Um, I was super, super sad that they didn't actually get together at the end of the drama. I was, you know, dying for it. I was just waiting every episode, hoping something was going to happen and it never did. Um, except that he did admit how he felt. And that's, you know, obviously a huge development. Um, not to her, though. I mean, just to us as the watchers, he admitted it. Um, and I guess maybe that's... Oh, is there a season three? Is there going to be a season three? If there is, maybe that's something that they, you know, plan to hold back to explore. Um, G1's storyline kind of ends with her taking this teacher that she tracks down to court and it's all, it's all very heavy and she's probably going to get sued and she's going to be in a lot of trouble. And, um, you know, it's, it's a really interesting place to leave her character. Um, once again, I feel like the end of this show does kind of leave people a little bit up in the air and I feel like probably it felt like a little bit more intentional I think than it did at the end of season one season one to me felt purposely open-ended not to pave the way for a new season but because that was true to life that life never ends there's nothing that's going to be neatly wrapped up this season I did feel like it was more left purposely open like for instance um Ji-won's romance with Sung-min I felt like oh that's gonna go somewhere and hopefully they're gonna make another season so I can see where it goes so I didn't mind that though to be honest it, it worked you know it hooked me and I'm now dying for season three so clearly it worked um I guess overall for me it, this was wonderful I loved watching this show I thought it was fantastic I think maybe from like a writing point of view I think maybe it's not as across the board tonally good as season one but in saying that I felt just as obsessed with Jiwon's story in this season as I did with Yoon's last season both of those storylines were massive standouts for me and they just hooked into my heart and made me feel so many things um, so both seasons for me were absolute successes and I think you know like I was saying before if you have five main characters it's going to be so appealing for such a wide amount of people because you're always going to find at least one person to identify with. And if there's something you don't like, 
Um, there's certainly going to be a million other things that you will like. And then the thing you don't like probably won't be on screen for that long. So you can deal with it. So I, yeah, I just thought it was wonderful. Um, I found it so addictive. Um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely down for season three.